I am Elle Penelope, author of Epic Fantasy and Paranormal Romance, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes of an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello, friends. Today is Sunday, June 13th, 2021, and this is episode 124 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So this week's best thing is In the Heights. Uh, We saw it at the theater on Thursday night, the day it came out. There was barely anyone in the theater, but um, it was wonderful. I had such a good time. I'm a big fan of musicals in general, and I'm a big fan of Hamilton. Hamilton and Wicked tie for the number of musicals, for the musicals I've seen the most times in theaters. So I think I've seen each of them five times. And I love both of them. And I've seen In the Heights at a local theater once. So they had one of the people, the the guy who originally played, I don't know if he's originally, but I think he originally played Sonny on Broadway, was playing Usnavi. And the rest of them were like local actors. And some of them, some of them were like first time performers. So it was not the best performance of In the Heights. There was a lot of pitchiness, shall we say. And I don't normally notice all of that stuff. So when I notice someone being pitchy, they're really pitchy. Anyway, so seeing it, you know, brought to life in the movie on screen, on a big screen in a theater was really lovely. It's it's a great show. They The, the way they brought it to film was really well done. The changes that they made from the Broadway show. And yeah, I, I think it's probably one of the best stage to movie adaptations of a musical. Definitely in modern times. If you're going to compare it to like, Old school stuff. I don't know. It's it's hard to compare, but absolutely a top five of Broadway musicals to to film, in my opinion. The performances are really great. Uh, yeah, so in the heights, highly recommended. And my writing update. <clears throat> All right, I spent the entire week trying to bring Savage City together, trying to get a handle on it, and I think that I have done it. Um, I looked on my spreadsheet. The last day I got any real words was June 1st. So it's been like a total of two weeks for this crisis to take place, to manifest, for me to figure out that I was in a crisis and then figure out how to get out of it. I tried to keep daily notes about what I was doing so I could share, and that was only partially successful. But I will do my best to give you the breakdown of how I got out of my story crisis. So uh, as I mentioned last week, I am working on... Savage City, my paranormal romance, and I realized something was very, very wrong when I was at the end. I was writing, you know, Act 3. Uh, Sterling has joined me, for those of you not on the video. I don't know if he's going to make any noise or not, but he might be just be irritating. Sterling is my cat, by the way. I started thinking about theme because I was wondering, is it just, do I not know what this book is about? You know, I got to the end the, the place that everything was building up to and it it hadn't built there. I don't know where it was building. My intention was to build up to that point. That was my outline, but it hadn't manifested itself on the page, in the characters, in the actions. So I took, took everything apart uh, and I started going through the books. So I went through The Plot Whisperer by Martha Alderson, which is one of the many craft books. Um, I turned to that one because it had a chart in it where you chart the scenes. And I was going to start by story gridding and using the story grid chart. The one in the plot whisperer is slightly different. And I was thinking, okay, what actually do I need to chart out? 
um, I did some mind mapping exercises from that book that helps you discover the theme. So I just took a piece of paper in my notebook and I started listing all the things I thought were the theme and just in sort of the mind map, I didn't actually draw any connecting lines. But it did help me come up with a thematic statement. So my thematic statement for this book is transformation and liberation happen through sacrifice. That is what I think I'm writing about. I actually had to go back through the characters because something about my main character was not right. Um, her conflict, her backstory, I wasn't sure. So then I went through this sacred flaw method that I got from this book, The Science of Storytelling by Will Storr. And usually when I go through a craft book, I make notes and sometimes I'll create worksheets based on something in the book. So I had created my own worksheet for The Sacred Flaw. So the first part of this worksheet is finding the flaw. And in that book, um, he lists certain questions that, that should, you should answer from the perspective of the main character. So things like, the thing I most admire about me is, I'm only safe when I blank. The secret of happiness is blank. The best thing about me is blank, and on and on. And by answering these questions, you find out the flaw of the character because they think it's their strength. They think it's their superpower. And it has helped them overcome their origin damage, which is what he calls it. It's called the wound and other methods. Something is wrong in the character internally. This is the internal struggle. And I like this way of approaching the character flaw because it's very interesting when they think it's their, their strength. So I answered these questions from my character and it really brought to light some, some of the things that were wrong, I think, that I wasn't connecting. And I think I had to do this twice because I had done it before and come to some different conclusions. And I guess now after writing almost 60,000 words and knowing and realizing the character wasn't quite who she needed to be, I did end up changing her backstory a lot. Tuesday, um, I had these notes from a presentation by David Corbett. I think it was from the Writer's Digest conference. And he has a book called The Compass of Character, which I haven't read, but I have these notes from the presentation, which I guess are an overview of that. And so I went through those. Those are really interesting. I'll link to these things uh, as much as I can in the show notes. I went through the book Story Genius by Lisa Crone, which is, I also have a worksheet from that from when I, I read that. It's a pretty comprehensive worksheet, which is designed to be used at the beginning of the project. I don't often use Story Genius at the beginning, but I have used it before when I get stuck. So that method helps to link the backstory, the wound, uh, the origin to the actions, to the plot actions. Because when you change a character's motivation and backstory, the actions they take in the plot are going to change to a certain degree. I did realize by going through the story genius method where, you know, she has you write some background scenes, which I did, I sketched them out. And then also uh, towards the end of the process, you write the opening scene and the aha moment scene, which comes late in the book, where they um, they basically figure out what they need to solve their internal crisis, which is what they need to solve their external crisis. And while I always know the end of the book, like where I'm going when I start, I don't usually write the end scene until I get to it, which is where I had the problem, which is the whole source of this crisis. And so I wonder from now on, if I actually take from Story Genius the idea of drafting the aha moment scene right up front. So 
I don't know if that will work or not because I write in order. I write in order because I need to feel the emotional progression of the characters. And so writing out of order doesn't allow me to do that. But doing a first draft, a fast draft of that scene, maybe it could help solve some problems that I get into. Um, So it's at least worth a try on my next manuscript to try to get that out of the way up front. Because it really did help when I at least thought about what is that scene and, and why I haven't been writing towards it the way that I thought I was. Wednesday, I went through a worksheet that I made from the book Creating Character Arcs by K.M. Wyland. That book, at the end of it, each chapter, she has a bunch of questions. And so I just sort of copied all of those questions into one document, which I call um, key character questions or something like that. And I started filling those out. I didn't finish. I don't know if I finished any of these worksheets, but I started them. And then they would give me an idea and I would move on to the next thing. Wednesday, I also worked on the Enneagrams for the characters. So Enneagrams, if you're not familiar, is like a Myers-Briggs sort of personality type. There's nine Enneagrams. And I generally give all my characters Enneagrams up front. I did not do that in this case. I don't know why. So I went through, I did more research. I, I have another worksheet that I've created from. Um, actually, I didn't create it. It was something that I downloaded from from somewhere, from a um, like a workshop. And it's a bunch of questions, like a quiz. So it's a very simple nine questions that will let you know which Enneagram type your character is. Well, nine questions per type. But it's it's a very simple without having to, like you can go online and take a variety of tests, but usually they're a little bit more involved. So I figured out the Enneagrams for my, um, my heroine and love interest. And then there's a site where you can look up, oh, these two Enneagrams in relationships, what are the good parts and bad parts, like where will they struggle because of their personality types? And that's really helpful to to know those kinds of things. Also, it can give um, inspiration for actions that could happen in the plot. Like if you know these two people are going to struggle over communication, then all right, I'll have a scene where they are miscommunicating and you know that's going to be the relationship conflict and that scene should also have some external conflict with the bad guy, etc. So doing all this work, figuring out the Enneagrams helped a lot. The new character was starting to take shape. I did some more character work on on her. Uh, Thursday, I at my normal writing meeting in the mornings, I had all of my mastermind group, because usually only one of the three of us, well, two of the three of us are there. And then so we had a plot party online where we talked through the problems I was having. And I talked through some of the ideas that I was coming up with to solve them. And just talking it out with people can be really helpful. And especially people who think about things very differently than you do. So I had like a breakthrough there with some suggestions from my friends. I found this article on Medium on sequences, like writing your novel as sequences. So I I thought of that because I was trying to do my normal beat sheet. I use I usually use a Save the Cat beat sheet and it wasn't working. And I was like, okay, what's another way to do this? And I remembered that in Alexandra Sokoloff's book, Screenwriting Tricks for Authors, she talks about how films are often plotted in sequences. Often there are eight sequences. Sometimes there's more or less depending on the length of the film and the story. But you start with the general eight. And so I Googled that and I found this article on sequences and it actually went through what is supposed to be in each sequence. And I already had a worksheet that I created, I guess, when I read the Screenwriting for Authors book. That was just a chart where you fill in the sequences. So I pulled that out. And that was really the game changer. 
So once I started trying to put things in the sequences, it started to make sense. And I started to to connect all the work I'd been doing with the characters, the motivations, the wound, and then the plot. Friday, I brought in Save the Cat Writes a Novel and Write Your Novel from the Middle, going through specific points of those books for the specific, the specific plot points. And I have my main spreadsheet, my main story spreadsheet, which has 10 tabs in it, I think now. Um, one of those tabs is a Dramatica system. And I've talked about this in previous podcasts. Um, but Dramatica is another plotting system that I don't use, but I do use this tiny portion of it to figure out what has to happen because it's it's a good way to sort of condense all of the infinite possibilities of what could happen in your book into the things that have to happen for the character to achieve their goal. So once I could figure out things like the prerequisites, the requirements, the forewarnings, the consequences, I would go back and forth um, between a variety of different tabs on the spreadsheet. I got a new idea for the opening scene based on that. Reading in one of these books and places about how, you know, your opening should mirror your ending. And to the point where the theme is stated, I mean, that's in Save the Cat, theme stated is, is happens early on. And for me, it's, it's like a line or it, it's a, in the opening scene I have right now, it's sort of a recurring motif in the first chapter, the first scene. And that was really helpful. I used One Stop for Writers and their character arc progression worksheet. And I did a, a new character sheet for my main character, for Talia. I have not done one for Ryan, who is the love interest yet. And I might just, I might not, I don't know. I, I feel like I have a much stronger handle on him than I had on her. And then I reviewed the opening scene yesterday on Saturday. I tweaked the sequences in the worksheet. I took the sequence worksheet and then I wrote out the Save the Cat beat sheet, which I had been having trouble with. But once I got the sequences down, I was able to fit it into the Save the Cat method. And now I have my outline. I also did a romancing the beat uh, beat sheet for the actual romance arc, which has a lot of holes in it. But since it's not, I mean, this is has a strong romantic thread, but the main plot is not whether these two people will get together. And I don't, and I suppose, and I suppose that means it's not a romance. It's not as romance as I want it to be. Although I think, I think that if you took the romance out, you wouldn't have a story, which makes it a romance. You have more leeway with like fantasy, science fiction, paranormal romance in terms of the plot can be more forward than in, in like a contemporary. Because I think the test of whether it's a romance is A, does it have a happily ever after? And B, is the romance the most important thing? And while there's other plot things that are very important, if you took out the romance, the main character would not have her epiphany and she would not be able to meet the goal at the end and, and overcome. So it falls into line with romance, but I still think it's not as romance forward as I wanted it to be. So after all that and having my friends look on in somewhat horror at all the things that I have to go through to make this make sense in my mind, I'm in a good place. I've been working on it today. I didn't take any days off this weekend. I, there's new scenes that will be added. There's the existing scenes that will have to be modified because of the character motivation changing and some of the actions have to change. 
I don't know how much of what I have I'll be able to keep. I think a good amount of it, I think maybe 60%. But that'll be interesting to find out as I go along. I'll need to make a new schedule and get back on track. But part of this process has been letting go of what I was trying to do. So I started this project, Savage City, wanting to do, you know, a long paranormal series akin to some of the ones that I really love, like a Diane Duval or the Anna Geary series, which is a closer template because it's a post-apocalyptic shifter story. And I might be able to do that, but I definitely won't be able to do it in the way that I had wanted to do it. I won't be able to do this long plan because the plan I had for the trilogy right now is still up in the air. I am waffling between two options. I wanted to do a long series, a different couple per series, not standalones, but, you know, in trilogies. And we'll see that might still be possible, but I'm, I'm waffling between doing the second book as the second couple that I intended or doing the second book continuing with this couple, which is not my favorite thing, but it's something that the story might be requiring. Third option is like A Cry of Metal and Bone, where it is a new couple, but you're still with the old couple because their story's not done, which is my least favorite thing to do. I did not want to even do that for Cry of Metal and Bone, but I ended up having to. Uh, for those who've read Earthsinger Chronicles, my initial goal was Darwin and Kiara's story ended in Whispers of Shadow and Flame in book two, when I was first writing the first version of that book. And I struggled so much. And eventually, my friend was like, you need to split this book up. And I'm like, I don't want to split this book up. But it was the right decision, because there was no way that I was going to successfully tell that story in one book. And so now we've got the way it is now, where it's spread over two books. But then the third book comes in with a new couple and their love story. And I don't, uh, it's not what I wanted. But I have to honor, A, the story, the muse, whatever's coming out of me. And not try to wrangle into submission because I wanted this thing for business reasons, for aesthetic reasons almost. You know, like it just feels cleaner when everything is done. And, but that's just not the way it's coming out. And as I was talking to my friends, my mastermind group, um, they just really reinforced that I have to accept the kind of writer that I am. And I don't know that I'm the kind of writer who can do what other people do. You know, I was so impressed when, with Anna Geary's Ars Numina series, it was like, oh, and these are the six books, and I have the titles of them all, so, which means she knew who the heroes were, at the very least. Um, I'm sure she knew a lot about them. <laughs> and they're coming out once every once every year, and, and this is the series. And I was like, I, I want to do that. That's what I wanted to do. And I have been unsuccessful in that <laughs> at this point in time. The future will tell what happens with the series and what book two will be. I wanted to put this on pre-order sometime soon and have a long pre-order, but I'm not even going to deal with that until at least this goes to the editor. I do have an editor booked, and I don't know if I'm going to have to push that back. My goal right now is to not push it back, to see if I can get this revised in the next month. But I will decide by the end of June if I'm going to push it back. So yeah, that's my supersized writing update. It's been a week. It's just been spreading out all the things, all the books, all the worksheets, trying to figure it out. 
thinking about it, like working on it, taking a break, coming back, working on it again um, until I got it. And this feels good. But as we know, everything is subject to change. So I could discover, like I, I was writing, I was revising one of the scenes right before I was started recording. And I made another discovery. You know, there's this ambush that happens early in the book. And I was like, oh, what if he knew about the ambush? That changes things in the arc a little bit. Like not everything, but it strengthens his motivation. Um, it complicates things in a really nice way. So I'm I'm discovering things all the time every day that are going to have ripple effects and you know change change things in ways that I don't even know yet. The point is that I do feel good about it now, where I am now. And um I'm just gonna try my best to get this done as soon as I can. <laughs> Whew. So yes, I had other things I want to talk about, but I'm tired now and it's late and I'm recording this a little bit late. So that was probably enough. Anyway, if you're still listening and you're not completely confused, you know, thank you. I appreciate you. If you have any questions about the process or anything, leave a comment um, on YouTube or on my website and I will do my best to answer it. So yeah, goal for this week, I would love to get through act one this week. If I can get through an act, act one part one of act two, part two of act two, and then act three. That's four weeks. That's how much time I have left. That would be the goal. If I can't get through half of the book in two weeks, then I know I'll need to move the editor back and we will cross that bridge later in the month. So yes, this week is all writing all the words. And I hope you have a good week. Uh, Happy Father's Day for next week. And I will talk to you next time. For episode show notes and to sign up for the footnotes newsletter and get the show notes in your inbox, go to myimaginaryfriendsshow.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch the video episodes on YouTube. I would really appreciate a rating and review to help support the show. And My Imaginary Friends is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. For more fantastic podcasts, go to frolic.media slash podcasts. 